29, you find your spot. Let's stay in the night in reverence to the Word of God. I want to give you something. I want to give you a little bit of hope tonight. Try to encourage the church. We're living in some dark days. Uh, a lot of things happening. A lot of you is wondering what's going on. Uh, we had family last night. Some of you is feeling the effect of it. Uh, it does not have to be what, it, what we're seeing. Uh, but uh, I want to give us a little bit of view tonight on the sovereignty of God. So bear with me as we deal with that. And that word sovereignty means that he is all powerful. That means he's in control tonight. Uh, I know that it looks like it's out of control in our world and what we're seeing right now. Uh, But what you have to understand in the sovereignty of God, it's not out of control. Amen. Uh, You think, my soul, what is going on? Uh, We had a family last night calling around, looking around, trying to find baby food. Their family split up in every direction, trying to find it, couldn't find it. You know why they can't come find it? Because we got idiots running this nation. They send it all to Ukraine, amen? Somebody say amen right there. Where Bud Buck? Keep back here. Bud Buck told me to burn up the Democrats tonight. So if I do, it's his fault, hallelujah. Amen. Let's read this, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. My wife sang this tonight. This is what this song they just sang. We're fixing to read it. This is what that song is based off of is Jeremiah 29 that they just sang. I did not plan this. I was going to preach something else and God said, I want you to do this. So we're going to do this, amen? And this is where that song came from. Look with me in verse number 10. For thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Amen. Let's go, Lord, a word of prayer tonight. Father, we come before you tonight in Jesus' name. We do want to thank you for the good singing that we've heard tonight. We want to thank you for the message on holiness from Brother Ramel. Lord, I thank you, God, for the reminder of my own life, Lord, in areas that I need help in, Father. And Lord, I pray that you'd help the church. I beg you, God, that you bless the camp meeting this week. Father, I know you know the desires of Brother David and the church folk to be encouraged. Father, I pray you bless all the preachers and churches involved. And I ask you, God, that you'd move in mighty power. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to give you several things tonight out of this as we look together. Like I say, I want to encourage you tonight uh, in several areas. And, uh, of course, there's a lot going on in our generation. Everybody would agree on that. Uh, matter of fact, it has accelerated uh, very fast in the last several years. And uh, let me say this tonight. I am not going to pick on politics tonight. And, uh, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to deal with a little bit of prophecy, just a little bit. Uh, and to deal with prophecy, if you really study prophecy... It is to watch kingdoms, it is to watch nations, and it is to watch leaders and those that are in charge. That is to study prophecy. 
So when you pay attention to the world scene and everything that goes on, we can look in Ezekiel tonight, we can find uh, Gog and Magog. We can find Russia mentioned there. And Russia is brought out there in Ezekiel and them moving down and things happening. They said, we, we could look at that tonight. And uh, when I think about prophecy, it does two things to me. Uh, prophecy is very challenging. Uh, you study eschatology. That is the study of end time things, dealing with the Lord's coming, the Antichrist and uh, the judgments and things like that. It can be a very difficult study. There is a very prophetical side to prophecy. Uh, just instance, I've done mentioned Gog and Magog and studying the nations and looking at them. But then there is a very practical side of prophecy. Here's a good one, amen. Second Timothy chapter number three. He said, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Dangerous times. Everybody understand that? Dangerous, perilous. We're there. How many shootings did you hear of this week? A bunch of them, amen. How many shootings you're going to hear of next week? A bunch of them, amen. And brethren, they're here. We're living there. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men should be lovers of their selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Let me pause right there. Do you understand what, what without natural affection means? Let me just define that a little bit. It is not natural for a man to want to be with a man. It is not natural for a woman to want to be with a woman. It is not natural for a mother to want to destroy the baby that is in her womb. That is not natural affection. Without natural affection, trust breakers, false accusers, incontent, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, amen? Let, let me define that lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They'd rather be at the lake on Sunday than the house of God. They'd rather be down at the racetrack than the house of God. They'd rather be deer hunting and fishing than the house of God. Come on now. They'd rather go down and watch their ball team on Sunday than they would be in the house of God and be faithful. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Somebody say amen right there on me one. Hallelujah. I am telling you what, uh, somebody told me, well, I can worship God down at the lake. I have done that, amen. I can worship God in the deer stand. I have done that, Brother David, sitting up there reading my Bible and praying and just meditating on God and worship. I have, I have literally said in the deer stand and cried. But I'm gonna tell you something, it wasn't on Sunday morning and it wasn't Sunday night and it wasn't Wednesday night, amen, because I was in the house of the Lord, amen. And uh, so we're seeing that lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So we're seeing that. That is a very practical side 
of prophecy. I just said it to you right there. So we can look at that tonight and I want to be encouraging. I'm saying this because I want to whet your appetite just a little bit tonight in some of these areas. Man, we could define a lot of those things that we just mentioned. Uh, tonight we go to Revelation and we can look at the four horsemen. We can look at the sixth seal. We can study the beast. Uh, we can study a lot of things in the area of prophecy. Uh, but I want you to see tonight, very practically, you are seeing Bible happen in front of your very eyes. Amen. Notice this. Uh, uh, I don't want to get into this tonight real big, but when you deal with a horseman, one of them deals with economics. We're seeing some of that transpire right now. Somebody say amen. To, to study uh, the third horseman, he's got a pair of balances in his hand and he is told to go. Now, when you see that word balance there, that is economics. That's how they measured and weighed money in those days. So uh, I'm gonna tell you something. Uh, we're gonna see some things happen in the economics. It's happening right now. I, I thought we was in the Great Tribulation when I passed the store a minute ago and it said 579 for diesel, amen? And everything I own is diesel. They mean to shut us down. Somebody say amen right there. There is a greater plan even above the politics of our nation. There is a world plan. I'm not saying anything. I know somebody would say, man, that preacher's a conspiracist. No, I am a Bible believer tonight, amen. This thing of new world order is real and they mean to push it on us, amen. But above politics and above leaders, what you are seeing is the plan of Antichrist being put in motion. Somebody say amen right there. Say, you really believe that, preacher? You better believe I believe that. But it didn't just start today now. We're exceeding, we are seeing the accelerator pedal mashed down though. John said that the spirit of Antichrist was working in their day. You can read that in the book of John. But we are seeing this happening. You know why they're destroying our money? Come on now, somebody help me out. You know why they're destroying our money? Your money's getting useless. That one world currency is entering in. And every bit of this is biblical. Now, I, I, I'm just saying this. I wanted to spend just a few minutes. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you've got your head buried in the sand thinking this is going to get better, you're crazy. I, as a preacher, I cannot promise you a bed of roses. But what I can tell you from the word of God, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Y'all with me? Let me say this. Where'd this rule come from that the preacher's not supposed to say anything about politics? I think it came from hell. What about separation in church and state? That's not even a law. It is nowhere in the laws. Matter of fact, all it was was it was mentioned in a letter by Thomas Jefferson, just mentioned in a letter from Thomas Jefferson. But if you knew where them men came from, they were interested in keeping the church or the state out of the church's business because if you'd have lived in England, you would have understood what them men were talking about. So we're not supposed to say anything about it. I'm going to tell you something. The politics of our day is the sin of our day. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this. I am not party loyal. Well, some of you can breathe. I am Bible loyal, amen. 
and I'll try to vote to the party that is close to doing right and the lesser the evils. Somebody say man right there. That's the only choice we've got in this generation. But I'm going to tell you something. It'd be over my dead body that I'd stand with a party that pushes abortion and that is pushing this transgender stuff and that is pushing all these things that happening and they're the Democrats. Did I just say that? Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. And I, we got a lot of folk up our way, Brother Rommel, that is just that, just because granddaddy was. I don't, I don't care. It's not like it used to be. Somebody needs to wake up and realize we're in a mess. And let me say it again. I'm not party loyal. And matter of fact, I'm a Christian tonight. And, uh, and I'm going to try my best to vote that way and do that way for the sake of our nation. We need help in America. We need revival in America. That Bible should affect the way we vote. All right, I, I got that out. Everybody good breathe. <gasps> Hallelujah. Y'all with me? Your party affiliation is not going to help you at the judgment seat of Christ. But you better do right, amen. Watch this. Stay with me. Go back to Jeremiah. And as you're looking at Jeremiah, I want to give you a little bit of context for this tonight. When God made this promise, it almost had to be like, really? I guarantee you some of them doubted this promise because where they're at, at this very moment when this letter was written to them. Tonight we could see it, I could say a lot, and y'all know this, and, and, and I don't want to say much more about the situation at hand in the world, but I do want to encourage you tonight with this. We're going to look at this. We're, well, I want you to look at it sovereignly tonight. And I want you to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when his sweat became his great drops of blood. And what did he cry, church? It's famous. He said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine will. That is the Son of God saying that to the Father. Nevertheless, he was in a hard place. He was in a difficult place. Calvary was something that we cannot understand and Jesus knew what he was facing. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That is God saying that. He knew what he was facing was not gonna be an easy task and God himself said, if, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he cried and it, the agony. Do you know what kind of agony Jesus had to be in for his blood to become great as great drops of blood? They say that the pressure and the agony every organ was under for that to happen, brethren. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to tell you, that's a total place of surrender. And we can look in Hebrews where the son, I can't even comprehend that verse where it says that Jesus learned obedience through the sufferings. How could he learn anything, brother? But that's what the book says. And I don't understand everything there is to know about this, but I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes the will of God is not easy. Sometimes the will of God, everybody thinks the will of God's going to be a better rose. And, and I thought the young boy, I get tickled at laughing this. You know, sometimes they think if they pay attention to God, the will of God, marriage of God's going to make them marry somebody ugly. Amen. Now, my wife might say amen to that tonight, but I got the better end of the deal. Hallelujah. 
Sometimes the will of God leads us. And I don't even compare what we go through to Calvary at all. But we see the example that Jesus set. Let me give you the context of this real quickly tonight. And I'll just give you a little thought maybe to encourage you. Look at this. He says uh, in verse number uh, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. This is a letter that Jeremiah, and I know some of you may be very familiar with this, but this, when you read chapter 29, look with me at the first verse of it. Now these are the words uh, of, of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem under the residue of the elders which are carried away captives and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. When you go to Daniel chapter number one, you'll read that, and let me just read that to you. I'm gonna show you where we're at in this passage and get a better understanding of when God said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And look at it. He said, a thoughts of peace and not of evil. That would have been hard to swallow at this time. Look in Daniel one with me. Daniel chapter number one, we find that this is the context of Jeremiah 29. Daniel 1, verse number 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim came uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. What Nebuchadnezzar, I know this is simple to some and may know it better than others, but God had warned them because of their sin and their ungodliness, hey, I am sending judgment to you. And God did that. And after Josiah died, the great king, uh, after that, God sent judgment. He told him it was coming. And it came. Nebuchadnezzar came in. And I'm going to tell you something. Man, when you think about the world at that time period, there was a three-world uh, rule empire war at that time. Now think about it. The world's in turmoil in Daniel 1. Egypt wants world supremacy. You can go to the library and study this historically. You had Egypt, Assyria, and then you had uh, Babylon. They were all battling for world supremacy and the world's in an uproar. And King Nietzsche, or Pharaoh Nietzsche of Egypt, is the one that killed Josiah, put them under taxation. So you can imagine what they felt like. How would you guys feel tonight? I mean, we've, America's got enemies. Would y'all agree to that? I mean, we've, we've, we've tried to be good to everybody as Americans. We really have. I appreciate the hospitality of Americans. But by the time we look out for ourselves a little bit, somebody say amen right there. Yeah, hallelujah. Brother Kevin's with me. He's either against me or with me. He's laughing anyway, amen. It's the truth, is it not? And I thank God for our hospitality. But now... Where we're at in this book, how would you guys feel tonight if we went outside in China? You know who owns most, a lot of our land in America, don't you? China. Y'all, y'all did know that, didn't you? That's scary, ain't it? How would you feel tonight if China came in and took our nation over? Said you can't go to church no more. And then they took some of our better people. How would you feel, brother? How would you feel if they took your wife, preacher, 
and your two children and they decided you need to stay here and work but they're taking them to China. How would some of y'all feel some of your grand youngins getting took and going, I'm telling you, that's exactly where they're at. And we're seeing some of that turmoil right now. They're, they're, I don't understand it. I can't even fathom my mind like Hitler. Who wants to rule the world? I don't, amen. I just want to take care of my family and serve God. I can't even imagine that. But right now, there are nations that want to be in charge of this world and they'll do whatever it takes. Where does that come from? It is satanic. It is the spirit of Antichrist. Now bear with me. I'm, I'm gonna drop this on us real quick and try to encourage us. Say, preacher, this ain't encouraging. We're all gonna die, man. <laughs> y'all, y'all with me? I, I am a realist, brother. But it would be where we're at in this book and where we're at in Daniel 20 or Jeremiah 29 would be as real as if China came in and took over tonight. That's where these people are at. Matter of fact, when Jeremiah writes Jeremiah 29, they are two years past Daniel chapter number one. They're about two years past Daniel 1. They've been there a couple years. And the reason Jeremiah writes it, I don't have time to deal with tonight, but in chapter 28, Daniel's dealing with their false prophets in Jerusalem, telling everybody, hey, it's fixing to be over with. Uh, Hey, a couple years, this thing will be blown by. And and Jeremiah even said when he's dealing and contending with these false prophets, he, he even says, amen, let it be so. Jeremiah said, I wish it was so, but it wasn't so. Jeremiah said there'd be 70 years of this. They did not want to hear it. So that rumor spread all the way into Babylon. And there was a false hope given to them in Babylon. And there was a false hope given in Jerusalem that, hey, this is only going to last Two years. I'm not going to give a false hope. I'm going to do my best to give the truth. Brethren, it ain't going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Somebody say amen right there. You say, is that by, yeah, I've already said it. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. All that live godly in this world shall what? Suffer persecution. Say, I'm not persecuted. Probably not living godly. It's the truth. We don't know. We don't know nothing about persecution in America. Some of y'all won't even tell nobody about Jesus just because you're afraid they might say something about it. Who gives a rip? Well, I might offend them. Well, it might just offend them into getting saved by the grace of God. I'm gonna tell you that crowd was offended at what Stephen said. They were so offended they started biting on him with their teeth and they stoned him to death. That's offended. And that's persecution. My father-in-law preaches for a gentleman overseas, and I think it was Egypt, Kenya. And the Muslims came in and chopped his arms off with machetes because he was a Christian. We know nothing of that. Now, our Christian rights are being taken from us. And I'm going to tell you something, church, it is getting worse out there. i tell you something, I wouldn't go to Disneyland if you paid my way to go to that hellhole. Somebody say amen. 
They're pushing this transgender stuff. Now nobody down there is allowed to say yes, sir, or no, sir. Or ladies and gentlemen, because they're scared to say genders. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't give a good glory up. If I see one in the store and it's dressed like a lady and I know it's a man, I say yes, sir, on purpose. Amen. Because I don't care what kind of surgery they have. I don't care what they do. They will stand before God at the judgment of the gender of their birth. Amen. Brother, we're in a mess. I'm going to tell you something. It ought to make us mad. The trash that they're trying to put in the schools and teach our children. Some of y'all get mad. Mad, upset a little bit. Little Jesus said, be you angry and sin not. I'm working on the sin not part with angry, Amen. But didn't Jesus himself go in the temple and kick the tables over? Oh boy, that ain't the Jesus that Joel Osteen preaches, is it? And made a whip and started hitting them with a whip and running them out of there? That ain't the Jesus that a lot of these guys preach, is it? It ain't the Jesus that the country singers sing about, is it? Some of the country singers sing about being drunk on Friday night and Saturday night and then they got the good old boy religion and go to church on Sunday. We're all good. No, they're probably on their way to hell, amen. Because I'm going to tell you somebody that's really saved by the grace of God, don't want to act like that, amen. They're preaching another gospel. Say, well, that's awful judgmental. Deal with a judge. Listen with me. I'm going to give this to you. They're in a bad place. It's just like China coming in and taking us over. How many of y'all like that? Some of you, I, I can't help it. I think about Red Dawn parachuting in and all that. And some of y'all, some of y'all thinking, sister, that's where you're at, ain't it? And taking over and putting us in concentration camps. And the thing about it is our government's involved in it. Where's this coming from? So Jeremiah, now understand this, Daniel 1, Nebuchadnezzar came in. They went into the church house, the temple of God, they defiled it. They took the vessels out. They, they took it down to their place. Man, that would have made me upset. How'd you like to see a bunch of pagans come in here and take our pulpits and things that we consider holy in the house of God and just use them for wickedness? That's exactly what they did. Brethren, when they came in, no doubt they raped and ravished and they burnt and they tore things apart. And I'm telling you something, it was bad when they came in. And then some of them get taken to their head city, Babylon, and that's where Daniel's at. So that false prophet gave them a false hope and said, listen, it's only going to last two years. And I wish we had time tonight to go back to Jeremiah 28. God said, I want you to make a yoke. And everybody understands what a yoke is, don't you? I mean, the animals, I mean, I've never used one because those days are past. Now we use John Deere, hallelujah. And I'm thankful for that, amen. But anyway, that yoke, you're talking about, Jeremiah, you're talking about a preacher now. God said, I want you to make a yoke and I want you to put it around your neck and I want you to wear it. And God made Jeremiah put that yoke on his neck. He's walking around and everybody thinks he's an idiot. And he's preaching and saying, you will bear the yoke I put on you. That's what God's saying. You're going to bear the yoke of Babylon. And every time they look at Jeremiah, he's got that yoke around his neck. They're angry at him. They're upset with him. Boy, wouldn't you like to have Jeremiah's ministry? 
And he's walking around with this yoke around his neck, preaching and telling them they're gonna bear the bond. And in chapter 28, they're all in a big meeting with all the preachers and the leaders of Israel and all the politics of Israel and all those people. And Jeremiah's standing there with his yoke on and that false prophet Hananiah is standing there saying, it's only gonna be two years. And Jeremiah said, amen, I wish it was. Jeremiah was kind of sarcastic to him, but he said, but not, it's gonna be 70 years. And Hananiah got so mad at Jeremiah that he grabbed that yoke off his neck and broke it and said, God's going to break it. There's a lot of people out there saying a lot of things that's not true. And you better be careful what you listen to. Politically, all we're getting on the news channels is their propaganda that they want us to hear. Somebody say amen right there. Now CNN's a no-brainer. I don't even trust Fox anymore. We are getting what they want. What do we do, preacher? Who do we listen to? Right here. Right here. Yes, I pay attention to those things, Brother David, because I want to know what's going on because I like studying prophecy and I want to know about these leaders and different things. Let me give you this point tonight. Y'all ready? So we're seeing the context of Jeremiah 29. He sent this letter to Babylon because of that. And they have just been taken captive. And it's fresh on their brain watching what happened in Jerusalem. And they're in a city. And let me just say this. Ancient Babylon was probably one of the greatest cities that was ever on the face of this earth. The Blue Gate's in a museum overseas right now. It's absolutely beautiful. You ought to see it. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. Babylon had walls on it that were about 250 to 300 foot high, they say. 60, foot of, 60 miles of wall around that thing. 80 foot thick, buried up in the ground, 60 foot. You couldn't get in or out. And I'm going to tell you what it was. It was like being trapped there. And they went in and then this letter comes in through those gates. And you know what God tells them to do? Listen to what God says to him. And go back to Jeremiah 29 with me. And let me drop this on you. We'll go home, amen. Jeremiah 29, God says, I know the thoughts I have told you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Do you know how hard that had to be to calculate in your brain? When you're standing in Babylon? What? Is, it, is everybody seeing this tonight? Do you know how hard that had to be? Now, Daniel and them that walked close to God had a good understanding of this. And Brother Rommel made a great point tonight. And even as a child of God, if you've got sin in your life, you are blinded and you cannot see afar off. And that's what the book says. And your sin as a child of God is not allowing you to see like you should and not allowing you to follow as the man of God said and see these things and get in this book. This is a spiritual book. And you need to walk with God to understand this book. Jeremiah 29. Here's what God says to do. Look in verse number, verse number four of 29. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. God, you did this? Yes. Here's where I'm going with this, the sovereignty of God. Y'all ready? All this is according to plan. Verse number five. 
Let me take another step further. Obama's not an accident. Come on now, y'all. You have to swallow the sovereignty of God. Let's go back to the book of Job. You say, I don't understand that. Let's go back to the book of Job. You with me? What happened with Job? Satan appeared before God with the sons of God in heaven. And God asked Satan, said, where you been? He said, oh, I've been walking to and fro in the earth, going back and forth in it. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Satan said, oh, yeah. I know all about it. Satan accused him. He said, the only reason he serves you is because you got a hedge about it. Now, I'm paraphrasing. You can read it for yourself. He said, the only reason he serves you is because you've got a hedge about him. Take that hedge away and afflict him, and you see what happens. He'll curse you to your face. God gave Satan permission to destroy everything that Job had. That's hard, ain't it? How many of y'all have been asked, witness somebody, if God's God, why would, allow, why would he allow this to happen? His ways are not our ways. Yeah. Now, I'm not painting the picture that Joel Osteen and a lot of these guys paint. Yes, we serve a loving God. There would be none of us sitting here if he was not loving and merciful. Amen. And Brother Rommel dealt with God's holiness tonight. That is the very essence of God. God is holy And everything he does is holy and righteous. And we must trust in his sovereignty. Now I'm trying to bring you somewhere to help you with the day and hour we've lived into. God is sovereign. It's not out of control. He's not up there eating Rolades and drinking Maalocks worried about how this is going to turn out. Have any of y'all ever read the last chapter? We win. We come out on top. Watch this. Here's what God says to do. Verse four. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive, and he build you houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives and beget sons and daughters and take you daughters to your husbands that you may bear sons and daughters and that you may increase there and not diminish. When God put them in Babylon, he did not mean to destroy them. He meant, look, look at this, look what he says to them. He said that you may be increased. And I'm gonna tell you something. This is not a time, hey, uh, it's in my, we know because uh, iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We're seeing that. He said there'd be a great falling away. We're seeing that, Brother David. But I'm going to tell you something. God does not mean for us to decrease, but he means for us to increase during this time. Watch this. And seek the peace of the city, whether they have caused you to be carried away. I'm going to, I close with this thought. So we see that God calls this. God put them there. This is a result of their sin, no doubt about it. You study that, you'll find it. And he said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Now turn with me to Ezra real quick. Ezra chapter number one. Ezra chapter number one. So Daniel and them, they've been taken captive. God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. 
There's a lot of things that, you know, we don't understand about everything that's happening right now in this generation. You're seeing a lot go down, amen. Y'all with me? So what do we do? Quit? Give up? I'm an American. I'm, I'm a, you're looking at a patriot. I would lie about my age to get drafted. Don't I look about 20, y'all? I'm beyond the age of being drafted is what I'm saying. And if it did break out, surely I could pass for 30, amen. I'd get me some of that just for men and all that, and I'll pass for 30. I would fight for this nation. I'd go tomorrow. And anybody that wasn't a coward, I'll just say that. I would fight. My boys, Tucker wants to be in the military. I said, you got to pay attention to who's president. I wouldn't want him fighting for that joke up there right now. Oh, yeah, I said that. <laughs> I love it. I love it, amen, I love it. Sovereignty. Look in Ezra 1. Look in Ezra 1. Ezra number 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Y'all with me? Who's this dude? Cyrus is the king that came in and took Babylon. So now, world empires have changed hands. That's Daniel from Daniel chapter 5 to 6. World empires change hands. So China was running things. Now Russia's come in and took over. That's exactly what has happened, pretty much. So you can imagine how Daniel and these people feel. But in Daniel 9, what's the Bible say? It said Daniel got in prayer and he got in that book that's in your hand. And he said, I understood the number of years that Jeremiah the prophet wrote. Seventy years would be accomplished. Daniel did some counting. It's over. You with me? Go with me to Isaiah. I'm going to read this and we'll go to the house. I got to let y'all go. I want to encourage you, sovereignty of God. Sovereignty of God. This is interesting stuff. You've got to understand that God's in charge of this. Isaiah, turn with me to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Almost 150 to 200 years. Now, what we just read in Ezra, in the, in the, hold on a second, let me make sure I got it right here. I got so much going on in my brain here. In Ezra chapter number one, the Bible says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. What did he do in the first year? That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. This new king. Look in Isaiah 45. Look with me in 44, last two verses. 150 years, 200 years before Cyrus is born. All right? Before he's born. Y'all with me? Sovereignty of God. Before Cyrus is ever born. Before God ever sent them to Babylon. Y'all with me? Before God ever judged them, God had a cure for them. Somebody somebody probably ought to shout right there, amen. Amen. Let me just say this. What I'm looking at, Calvary was not plan B. 
God, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, let me clear some things up for some folks. Some people think when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God's up in heaven saying, don't eat, don't eat, no, no, no. It was the plan. No, we don't understand that. But we do know that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. Before God ever created the earth, it was ordained that Jesus die on Calvary. Before there was ever a sinner, thank God there was a remedy. And we're seeing that picture right here. Yes, God judged them. Yes, God said, I know the thoughts of you. Church, you got to understand God knows the beginning from the end. And we can put this in a small picture tonight. Your trial. Where you're at might be hard. But God knows the thoughts that he has towards you. He knows what he's doing. And we have to trust that sorry because he knows the beginning from the end. So you have to understand that God has a purpose for this in my life. On a personal level. Look at this. 150 to 200 years before he's ever born, God calls Cyrus by name. Isaiah 44, verse 27. Thus saith the deep, be dry and I will dry up thy rivers. Now that has to do with the taking of Babylon. I'm not gonna go there because it's too much information, all right? That saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. This is 150 years, 200 years before he's ever born. And God made the promise of the remedy. Look with me, chapter 45. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two living gates. There's a lot in this. I'm not going to spend time. I got to let y'all go home. We've been here. Y'all see this tonight? 200, 150 to 200 years before the man's ever born, God's called Cyrus by name. And before God ever judged them, he had a remedy. And I want to tell you that there is a remedy for what we are seeing take place right now. in our nation. Look with me. Look with me in verse number seven of Isaiah 45. I wish we had time to dig in this, but we do not. This is hard to swallow. This is God speaking to Cyrus. He said, I form the light and create darkness. Anybody believe that? All right, let's read on. I make peace. Hallelujah. And create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. There are a lot of folk choke on that right there, bud David. We have to trust in his sovereignty. Let me ask y'all something. Anybody believe God's all-powerful? We believe that, don't we? Y'all have heard the old saying, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Y'all have heard that. It's true. Any question that God asks in this Bible is a rhetorical question. It is not for the purpose of his learning but it is for the purpose of the learning of others around him when he asks the question. Y'all understand that? 
So if that's the case, y'all reckon they was in eternity past somewhere and Satan was creeping around and God didn't know about it? I'm talking about the God of this Bible. I'm talking about getting this book and study God's character and who he is and how he operates and this is all we know of him and this ain't even the beginning. He said, I did that. I'll tell you how sovereign God was in the life of Cyrus. Man, I love this stuff. How sovereign God was. Satan tried to kill him. When Cyrus was born, long story short, I'm going to give you two minutes of this and we're going to stand. When Cyrus was born, his grandfather wanted him killed because he did not want his grandson to take his throne. Cyrus' grandfather. Man, you, you talk about, man, back in them days when that stuff happened, they, they killed murder. You know how it was. So Cyrus' grandfather, when Cyrus was born, told his general, said, kill the baby. You can read this in your local library. I got the history book in the house that tells about this stuff. I got to study it pretty deep just because I like Cyrus. And uh, so Cyrus was born, told his general, kill him. He couldn't do it, couldn't bring himself to do it. So he pawned off on one of the shepherds. To kill Cyrus as a baby. So they took Cyrus as a baby. And just so happened. And I'm sure there was a lot of weeping in the house of the shepherd. But his wife had just stillborn a child. Just so happened accidentally. You may not understand everything about what God's doing. But that woman stillborn that child, brother David. And so they took and they told the general they killed the baby. They buried the one that was stillborn. And they raised Cyrus. When Cyrus was about eight or nine years old, his grandfather seen him playing in the streets and knew who the child was. And he admitted what he did and the child was restored back to his mother. Cyrus' grandfather was so upset that he had that general come in and had him in for supper and and he, he acted real forgiving. He said, hey, bring your son over to play with his cousin. They were family. To play with his cousin that seen each other. So they sat down and they had a big meal. And they were sitting there. And, and when they got done eating, Cyrus's grandfather, so upset, looked at that general and said, how'd your son taste? He was so upset about Cyrus still being alive. And the general was supposed to kill him that he took and killed the general's son, cooked him, fed him to him. They brought the leftovers of his grandson, the head and the hands and the feet in there on a platter and showed it to him. Evil. I'm going to tell you something. God called Cyrus by name. Nothing could have killed the child. Nothing. Because it was in God's plan. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're saved by the grace of God, you're part of that plan. And no matter what we face and no matter what we go through, he knows his thoughts toward us. And it's not of evil. And I know sometimes it's hard to look out there and think that and everything we're going through and probably fixing to go through. I'm going to tell you something. You better back down the hatches and get spiritual and get holy and you better draw nigh to God because I'm telling you, we don't know what we're going to face. Let's stand tonight. Let's bow our heads and our hearts tonight. And I'm going to tell you what, if God sits out to do something, he's going to do it.
Let's bow our heads and hearts. And if, if you need to pray tonight, you ought to come pray. Amen. Something like this, it ought to concern you. Say, I'm concerned about our nation. Have you even prayed about it or are you just fussed about it? Come on now. I've done a lot of fussing myself. But have you even bowed your head and asked God to help our nation? Ask God to help the leaders that are in charge? Say, why, preacher, this ain't no revival message. Might be. It might press us toward the God of heaven. Our greatest hope is not laying up a bunch of beans. And I have done that. I've got them. we got guns, ammo, and everything else. You'd be stupid not to in this day. You better have some food aside. Uh, there's a lot of folk right now wishing to put some baby formula aside. I don't know if y'all realize that that's happening right now. We're in America. That don't happen here, does it? It is. Y'all with me? We better see the seriousness of where we're at right now. Quit playing games on God and get with it. Amen. Preacher, you come on tonight. Uh, church, I love you. I mean, this is a sister church to us, and we love you. Love your pastor, his family. It's not time to back up. It's time to. It's time to go with it. It's like a submarine. I know y'all have heard this. Submarine goes in the depths of the ocean, and in order, the man, there's pressure down there that we just don't understand. And in order for that submarine not to crumble, it's got to have as much on the inside pushing out against the pressure that's on the outside. If it don't, it'll crumble like a beer can. That is the same way in Christianity. If you are not putting enough on the inside to withstand what's going on on the outside, you're going to crumble. What are you talking about? Church, reading that Bible, praying, song, just spending time with God drawing nigh, man. Preacher. Preacher.